Only by knowing and understanding what is beautiful can we understand what is ugly. The beauty of God is the standard of what is beautiful. Hi, my friend, and welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young, and we have an incredible program today. Our co-host, Dave Donaldson, is not with us today. He's out on assignment. He's literally working on the other side of the planet with uh, our outreach and community help in Ukraine. So please keep Dave in your prayers. Keep the work of CityServe in your prayers. Um, but we have a great program. Here, here's a, a question. You probably have heard this question before. Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? How do you look at the world? And uh, today's program is going to be about finding beauty every day, everywhere, including where you are listening from right now. Our guest believes that beauty creates wonder and that that wonder brings joy to our heart and ultimately leads us back to our creator who delights in sharing and giving in creating things that take our breath away. Steve DeWitt is a pastor, and we're glad to welcome you to the Influencers Podcast. Thank you, Scott. I'm delighted to be here, and uh, I'm excited to learn more about the ministry of influencers and to have a little contribution today. Hey, we're very glad you're with us. Steve has been a longtime pastor up in the Northwest area, the greater Chicagoland area. He's in Indiana. Uh, Bethel Church. He is uh, multi-site with his ministry. He has a media and podcast ministry called The Journey, and he's got a wife, he's got two daughters, and he's been pastoring that church over 25 years. I love that, uh, since 1997. And we're glad that you're with us. And maybe if you just begin by just introducing yourself so people get to know a little bit about you, Steve. Well, you kind of hit the highlights there, Scott. Uh, I grew up in Iowa, son of an engineer for John Deere. I went to college to play basketball. God got a hold of my heart, and I um, had a heart for ministry and did a little bit of it, and God opened doors. And so I spent five years as a youth and worship pastor in Indianapolis. And for the last 25 years, I've been the senior pastor at, uh, at Bethel Church. I am a, uh, a lover of all things beautiful, and so that's going to tie into the talking about the book. None more beautiful than my wife and my two daughters, uh, but I do uh, I enjoy the beauty of a golf course and, a, and the sunset in Florida, by the way, near where you're at, is a favorite of mine, although we have Lake Michigan, which is, it's kind of like our ocean, you know, it's, you can't not, see all the way across it, the sunset on close. it. No, no salt water, no sharks, no hurricanes. So there's a lot of benefits there. Listen, I am here in Sarasota, Florida, and we have the nicest beach probably in the world, Siesta Key Beach. And so uh, that's not just me. There's a guy called Dr. Beach that rates the beaches, and we are number one. But we're glad for you, dear friends, who in this season would love to come to Florida as the cold weather comes in and you look south to come and be with us, and we welcome you. We want you to come down and see us soon. You've written a very important book called Enjoying God in Everything, subtitled A Guide to Maximizing Life's Pleasures. What brought that in and through you 
and where do these ideas start? Well, like all things that end up uh, probably being the greatest blessing, they start in our own hearts and our own experience. And uh, so I grew up in Christianity, but I grew up in a, a branch of Christianity that didn't have good categories for um, pleasure. And so I found myself really loving uh, beautiful things. And uh, that's things God makes, things that, you know, human art and, and uh, culture. And I just didn't know what to do with that. And as I began to read about it, I'm a you know, pastor in a church and uh, and yet I'm walking Lake Michigan beaches and, and uh, beaches near Sarasota and loving the sunsets. And I'm like, why do I feel this way? Like this is, I have these deep uh, affection stirrings that happen when I am exposed to beautiful things. And so I began to look around in the literature, try to find somebody that could help me with, uh, with it. And in evangelicalism, sadly, there is not really that much about this. And I think that many uh, evangelical Christians are, you know, we're good at the grace of God. We're good at the holiness of God. We're good at the love of God. But when you think about the beauty of God, it's a category many Christians don't think about. And yet we live in this world that God uh, made so glorious, the grandeur of it. And so the book is trying to help uh, Christians who understand that God is the creator to connect the aesthetical experiences every day so that we don't walk through this wonder world like atheists who experience the things, but they, they, there's no worship, there's no thoughts of God in it. And my, my aim in the book is to enrich those experiences uh, that I think Christians should be the most aesthetically uh, appreciative, enjoying people on the planet, because we know who made it, we know why it's here, and for Jesus' sake, we can uh, enjoy them as, as acts of worship. And the book kind of unpacks that. So it comes out of my own sort of journey into these things and wanting to fill in the gap, this very large gap, about the beauty of God and the purpose behind all the beauties in the world around us. So do you do you feel like you have an artist soul, that you, uh, you approach life as an artist? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mentioned my dad's an engineer. Yeah. But to this day, I can't, I can't get him to watch the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. He has no room for any, anything imaginative. And, uh, I am certainly not that, but I, I don't know that I would call myself an artist. I am more of a, uh, uh, I guess I come at this a little bit more pastorally and, and, uh, experientially practical theology, I guess, more than, you know, painting murals and and uh, trying to understand why I enjoy doing it, um, but it certainly has helped me understand and appreciate the role of artist and artistry in what it means to be made in the image of God. And I think that also is something that many Christians don't have a category for, or if they do, it is more of a secular appreciation rather than a robustly. Uh, Christian one. So, for example, I think of the words of Augustine, who said, uh, "He loves thee too little, who loves anything together with thee, that he loves not for thy sake." And that really is the heart of what the book is getting at: is to love God and to love God in 
these wonderful experiences of pleasure, aesthetical beauty, beauty, and to enrich those experiences and to be robustly uh, theological as we as we live uh, in this beautiful world. So, uh, to answer your question, I don't know if I would call myself that, but I I, I certainly have come to appreciate that, and I think that uh, a biblical perspective on it should cause all of us to love those that are gifted in that way. So you use the word wonder in your writing and that beauty creates wonder. What, what does wonder mean to you? And what, what do you think that people uh, can experience by finding beauty? Well, wonder is the word that I assign to that sense inside of us that all of us know, even if we've never put a word to it. But uh, it can be in big and small things, you know, when the chips and salsa arrive at the at the table uh, or mom's strawberry pie or, you know, uh, a movie that you're about to enjoy or the mountain range or whatever. There, there is this uh, energy inside of us, uh, a kind of savoring, a relish that we have that I call wonder. Uh, you could call it probably any number of things, but I think wonder is a good word for it. And all image bearers have it. It's not just something that Christians um, have by the Holy Spirit. All image bearers have it. So, for example, Scott, there you are in Florida. One of the things I've noticed in Florida, just to give an example of this, is everybody lines up on the beaches there for the sunset. And uh, so do I. I love it. Like, it's, it's one of my most favorite places in the whole world there in southwest Florida. And as the sun sets, you know, people, they might sing a little, they, you know, they hold their loved one's hand. And when it finally goes all the way down, many times the beach erupts in applause. People clap. Yeah. Now, who are they clapping for or what are they doing there? I would say they are image bearers wanting to respond to that energy inside of them, the wonder they have. And uh, they can't help themselves. You know, it's like after a great symphony or something where the, 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 the room just explodes in joy at the beauty of what was just played. God made us to be that way. Um, that, and, and, you know, C.S. Lewis, if there's anybody that has, is sort of my guru on these things, it's certainly C.S. Lewis who um, he said in, there's a book called Letters to Malcolm where he, he writes, to this fictional guy, Malcolm. Uh, and he, he says regarding this, that uh, pleasures are shafts of the glory as they strike our sensibilities, turn them into channels of adoration. Or what I say, I summarize that with beauty leads to wonder. Beauty creates energy in us, relishing joy. We are to let that energy then turn it to worship. Okay. And that's how that's how God made it to work. Adam and Eve did that every day prior to the fall. But sin has broken that. And this is now Romans 1. And Scott, I'm sure you know this passage very well, that where Paul writes that the, uh, the unregenerate human worships the created thing rather than the creator. And he goes on to say that uh, without the Holy Spirit, without salvation, we will not give honor to God. We will not give thanks to God. And 
those are the two elements that God intended for this to be and that have been removed by sin. So um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting a little far field of your question here, but no. the summary is that beauty leads to wonder. Every yeah. image bearer does. After sin, image bearers worship the created thing. But by the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 4, we now see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And that enables us, it restores that capacity to turn the joyful, pleasurable experiences in this world into worship. And in doing that, giving him honor, giving him thanks, we actually enjoy that pleasure more because we are experiencing it as God intended it to be. And the book unpacks how how to do yeah. that in the big and the small. So I'll just mention the book name again, because people will be looking for it after they're listening to these incredible ideas that you're unpacking. But it's enjoying God in everything, which is a high goal and even a, a huge goal as well. The guide to maximizing life's pleasures. And I like the words you use, beauty to wonder, wonder to worship. Do you think that part of what we need to do to experience wonder and see beauty that is all around us is to slow down and take in the moment? Do you think we're rushing too fast, doing too much, and we need to pause and wonder what, what it, what's wonderful about where I am right now? How do people find beauty everywhere? I certainly slowing down would be a, a helpful thing. There's a, an old Wheaton professor um, that uh, wrote like a dozen daily commitments that he would make. And, you know, the, the commitment to stop and ponder the fact that I'm on a planet in the middle of a universe and uh, to try to find one beautiful thing and just look at it, you know, every day. Certainly that would help. But I would argue that our problem is not as much the speed of our day as it is the pride. Uh, it requires humility to um, acknowledge that God is the giver of all good things and that every good gift comes from the Father, James 1. And to uh, there's a quote, uh, I've actually written two books on the subject. And the first one, I had a quote in there, and I can't recall who said it, but it it, the point is that it it, uh, it takes the kind of humility to sit in front of a dandelion and just ponder, you know. And most people, we run by the dandelions of, of our days and we quickly go through this. And the law of diminishing returns also kicks in in that things that are beautiful that we see on the first day, we enjoy them. On the second day, we notice them. By the third day, we're running by them. And uh, all of this, I think, is part of the curse and part of uh, a humanity that is living in the grandeur of God's glory every day and uh, missing it uh, because we are self-absorbed. And uh, so slowing down certainly is, is a help. I think the first part, though, is the humility that I would say comes by the gospel mm -hmm. uh, and is the fruit of the Spirit where... Now I begin to see God in the day-to-day -day of my life. And that might be circumstantially, you know, that God blesses me in some way. 
But that morning coffee was intended by God as a gift of his grace. It's saying something about what God is like. And so is, uh, you know, so is that hot shower. And these kind yeah. of small daily graces from God that also are pleasurable, experiencing them theologically, I think, is part of how we learn to live in this world thankful to God for the big and the small things that he uh, bestows upon us. Our, our team, uh, we're reading a book uh, on Celtic uh, Christianity and how they took like a prayer for milking the cow. And I was talking to our, our church recently. I said, and I, you mentioned two things and they're the two things I talked about. I have a prayer as I make my coffee that I want to have a, a hot heart for God as the water heats up, that I want the flavor of Jesus to be in me, that I don't <laughs> want bitterness because I make my coffee in a special way. And then when I'm in the shower, I just say, Lord, I would love just the, the rain of your spirit to wash over me today. And thank you for washing away all my sins and renew my heart today. So those two things you talked about are two things I just recently talked about. You think sometimes people get... There is brokenness in the world. So there's, uh, there is ugliness. There is uh, addiction and homelessness and poverty and the news that is incessant on turning our attention towards ugliness. How, how do we break through all of that noise to go, oh, no, there is something of wonder and beauty in this moment? Because there seems to be a lot of brokenness in the world. Well, I agree, Scott. And I, by the way, I like the you know, the, the, the praying over the coffee in the shower, that's, uh, that's good. We'd come back to that. But, you know, you bring up ugly. And I think that uh, in some ways, this could be a book on ugly as well, in that uh, ugly also tells us that there is a standard of beauty. Mm. And this is, and this is where beauty is, it's, it's more than just the created world, there's moral beauty, there is ethical beauty. Um, we, you know, we look at a, a life like Mother Teresa's and uh, we instinctively see a beauty in that that we don't see in Stalin. You know, there is a, uh, in our in the how God made us, there is a wonder that we have at acts of noble service. You know, I can hardly cry when there's a flyover of a football game or something that speaks to, you know, those who have given their life for our country or whatever it might be. There's a nobility to it, and we instinctively know when something is less than that internal moral standard. Ugly. There are, you know, when when there's violence against a child, you know, even an atheist says that's wrong. Okay, there's 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 something inherently wrong with that, and so uh, you know, oftentimes we think of ugly as you know something, you know, a person or something like that, but uh, only by knowing and understanding what is beautiful can we understand what is ugly. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that the beauty of God is the standard of what is beautiful. And I compare God to a ruler in, a, in terms of a measuring ruler, that a, a ruler is, um, is a foot and it also measures a foot. It is a standard, it is itself a foot, and it and it measures everything else by it. And God's beauty is like that. And so when we see something that is that is not beautiful, uh, you know, uh, the environment or some situation, you know, some situation where um, 
you know, the some kind of a setting where where uh, there's decay or whatever, we we see in that what God is not like. And those are also opportunities for us to give praise to God, not because of what we see about God that is like him, but what we see about God that is not like him. And to be thankful that he is not like that. And uh, so ugly is a fascinating uh, thing to talk about. It's it maybe doesn't sell as many books, but uh, <laughs> uh, we all we all instinctively know when something is less than beautiful, and uh, and why we and, and why we do I think is is God's image in us. And I, I it's what I think it's what we focus on. We take our attention, and we can put it, talk about, meditate on all the brokenness, or what you just said. That brokenness says there is something that's higher, and I think all of us would agree. The world is not what it should be. That's a, a, almost a, an intuitive understanding. The world is not, but there is something higher that calls us higher. The divine mm-hmm. God, Jesus, is calling us higher. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you certainly are a deep thinker. I'm going to just declare you an artist, even though you may not see it. I do believe this. I believe this, Steve. You're a pastor, and I do believe that the sermon is an art form. So, I agree with you. Somebody needs to write a book on that. I've been trying to get, I just was talking with a publisher this fall about uh, something along that line, like a sermon as art form. There isn't much on there. That's a great point. It, it is. And you're doing that week after week after week. So I'm going to just declare you an artist. I think you have an artist. soul. you have deep thoughts as well. And if people want to like find your podcast, if they want to connect with the material that is coming through you uh, from the Holy Spirit, how can they do that? How can they best connect with with uh, uh, your podcast? Well, my, I, 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 they need to listen to influencers every episode. Number one, okay. <laughs> number two, if you're interested, the Journey Podcast, uh, which we are blessed to have a very popular uh, podcast. The Journey, you can go to the Journey.fm or Steve Dewitt, the Journey, and uh, there's a, a daily podcast and. Um, a lot of it's teaching material. It's all teaching material from me. Um, and I'm not always preaching on beauty or teaching on beauty, but you would get a similar sort of uh, kind of teaching. And then, of course, the book um, you can get on Amazon and, and uh, Kindle or whatever. So those would be some ways to do it. Bethelweb.org is our church website. Lots of media there as well. Yeah. So... But influencers is the number one podcast they need to listen to. I want to make that clear. You are a good friend to have. I'm just going to say that as well. Also, let me ask one more question. Sure. What, as you look back, what do you know now that you wished you knew a long time ago? Something that's a current reality that, man, if I would have known this 10 or 20 years ago, this really would have made a difference in my life. Well, that wasn't in the pre-show prep, Scott. Uh, I may have to. <laughs> and you're a deep thinker, so you cannot, you're not just going to spit out something. Well, as long as uh, I'm not accountable for this, because I've had no time to uh, to prepare for it. I think that, um, in fact, I just preached on this this last Sunday. We're in family month at our church, and I did a message on marriage, singleness, and sexuality. And Part of my story, my personal journey, I got married later in life and was single until I was 44 years old. And 
I think when you are, uh, oftentimes when you're single, you think that, uh, you know, if I have a wife, I have kids, you know, that'll, that'll be the thing for me, you know, this, uh, this longing. And I, I should have known this. I probably would have preached it, but in my heart, I've experienced the reality that, um, that the things of this world, no matter what it is, as Ecclesiastes points out, they, they don't ultimately satisfy as great as they are and as good as they are. And even these pleasures, as I write about as wonderful as they are, they, they are not in and of themselves sufficient to build your life of meaning upon. And now that I'm married and kids and I've got that whole thing going on, I love it. It's great, but uh, it cannot ultimately satisfy the human heart. And so I would say that's been a big, a big uh, lesson for me. I've been married 10 years now and um, uh, love my wife and my, my daughters, but um, it all comes back to Jesus Christ as being the, the one satisfier of the soul, only him. Well, Pastor Steve, I want to thank you for taking time to share with us. I want to take, thank you for taking time to think about big issues and bring them to us. I want to encourage people to get a hold of the book that Steve has uh, been talking about today, Enjoying God in Everything. What a great goal. And finding uh, maximization or maximizing life's pleasures. I want to encourage all of our listeners to be influencers to be light in a dark world, to bring hope to hopeless people, and uh, just to make the world a better place through living your life for the Lord. I'm Scott Young for the Influencers Podcast. We hope you keep listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus. Jesus.